It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Baseball Party, only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to the Atlanta Baseball Party, your home for the best Braves baseball talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but here on Locked On. I am Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Grant McCauley, Jake Mestriani, and Jarvis Davis. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Now, it's first pitch for us normally, guys, but maybe this is kind of last pitch this week (laughs) because we know, of course, that unfortunately the Braves had a ceremonious or unceremonious, depending on who you are, (laughs) exit from the postseason. We're a little bit, maybe like a, a week away, less than a week removed from that. So let me ask you, Jake, first. Now that we're on the other side, do you look at that opening series a bit differently than we did before? I I mean, I don't think so. It still hurts. It still doesn't feel good. So, I mean, I don't think I can look at that any differently. It didn't go the way that we wanted to. And it's honestly a lot of the same of what we saw the year before. It just seemed like a Braves team that kind of came in flat and a Phillies team that was hot, playing good at the right time. And Braves just weren't able to recover and come back and get it done. So uh, really just kind of the same script we saw a, a year before. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Grant? Well, I was going to say it didn't feel like much of a party on this side of things for the Braves. And that's two years in a row for that. The Phillies, meanwhile, man, they look like a team that is going to be hard to stop. And that's exactly what they look like a year ago. But I'm with Jake. I feel like the Braves came out and were kind of their own worst enemy in a club that was just it had a historic season, was so much fun to watch over 162, a club that you just had so much confidence in their ability to score runs. They didn't score runs, and I did not have that on my script for how I thought October was going to go. Yeah. How about you, Jarvis? I think for me, the frustrating part is that, you know, like I am super heavily invested in this team. Like out of all the professional teams in this city, the Braves are the one that can keep me feeling one way or the other, right? Like, and opposite extremes, you know, like, I don't feel I'm never hot and cold. I was always like, uh, I'm never medium when you talk about from a temperature standpoint, when you talk about how I feel about the Braves. So, yeah. But, you know, coming into this series, it was kind of like, all right, you got the offense, you got everybody is everybody was hitting, hitting well up and down that lineup. And and then, you, of course, you had the the, the the struggles with, you know, the injuries and, and then, you know, Charlie Moore not being there, like all of those things coming into play. But you still feel like, hey, if by chance you aren't able to, you know, get give us some runs or whatever due to the pitching, you feel like they were going to be able to um, put enough runs on the board to get those wins. And, but for me, I, I feel like now it's now, okay. Just kind of looking at it from a, a looking ahead, a standpoint for if I could just do that for a little bit, it's okay. So what do they do now? Like that's like, after thinking about this 
after thinking about it, you know, going through it, I'm we almost seven days, you know, uh, from from the loss. It's kind of like, all right, so what do you do? How do you fix it? Because you know, just think about it from the football standpoint, say, like, okay, we we'll go get this guy. We can get this guy. He can do this better, and and hopefully, you know, they'll be able to plug and play and, and be able to perform when that time comes. With baseball, I feel like it's just a little bit different because it just depends on what time of the season it is, and you don't know what somebody's going through mentally. So it just could be so many things, so many variables going going on in those players' heads when this time comes. Because, like I said, this is back to back years that we've lost to the same team, and they play in the same division. That's what makes it hurt just a little bit more. To you. <laughs> yeah, well, same team, same division, and same way. I mean, it was like right, deja yeah, vu, yeah, Groundhog yeah. Day, whatever it is that you want to call it. Right. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about where do we go from here in the seventh inning stretch. But for me, I probably am the opposite of everybody because remember, my question to Grant for like three straight weeks was, Grant, am I okay? Am I okay? I don't want to face the Phillies. When I asked the question, I said I wanted to face the Marlins because they, to me, were the team that the Braves had their number. The Phillies were the team that had the Braves number. This is exactly what I was concerned about. And so for me, no, I don't feel any different because, no, I was nervous going in. And unfortunately, all the fears that I had of their bats being bigger in this moment and their pitching being stronger and their bullpen showing up as their version of Night Shift 2.0, it was almost like if you guys have ever watched, you know, I don't watch a lot of movies, but the one movie I always reference when three things go awry is The Perfect Storm. And I felt like this was a perfect storm situation that was brewing in Philly. And unfortunately for me, I this these are the times when I don't like to be right, but, but I was. So, um, yeah, like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about where the Braves go from here in that seventh inning stretch. But I wanted to ask you guys this as well about some Spencer Strider comments that maybe were kind of interesting, kind of want to see if you guys think that he has a point. So I'll give a quote here. The people trying to use the playoff format to make an excuse for the results they don't like are not confronting the real issue. You're in control of your focus your competitiveness, your energy. If having five days means you can't make the adjustment, you have nobody to blame but yourself. And, you know, when you think about this, that comment that Spencer made, it's coming off the heels of that being one of the, I don't even want to say excuses because I think some people in their hearts and minds feel, feel like the layoff is an explanation. But do you guys feel like Spencer Strider has a point in saying, no, it's not an explanation, it's an excuse, Here's the bottom line of what we should have been doing, which is focusing on ourselves, playing at the highest level, and then let the chips fall where they may. Well, I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive, number one. I think that from a pitcher standpoint, it might be pretty simple and, and pretty cut and dry. And I think for Spencer Strider, it was. He went out there and pitched two games in which the Atlanta Braves could have won. Yes. And they scored him exactly one run worth of support on a solo homer by Austin Riley in game four, which was all the offense that the Braves could muster on that night after getting shut out in game one. And again, I'll go back and tell you, I did not expect the Braves offense to struggle this way. I thought that they did everything that they could to try to maintain a sense of normalcy while they waited to see who they were going to play with the practice games. I know those are not full-on Major League Baseball you know, team competition where the other club is desperately trying to get you out in order to extend their season. But I would also tell you that if you look at the top five teams in Major League Baseball record-wise from the regular season, going 1-13 and in the postseason, is that really what Major League Baseball is going to want? And I'm not arguing... Yeah you know, for Goliath to always win, because as we know, that's not the way that story goes. But mm-hmm. and while I do want to create the parody that is very important, I think in all the sports, there just has to be, I think, a, a way to maybe trim some of that time off of that layoff, because I just don't think it it does 
for teams what they thought it was going to do. Like it's more of a detriment, I feel like, than a reward for having best record because you almost don't want to hit that pause button, sit around and wait because as much as you can say mentally, I'm ready, mentally, I'm ready. Well, physically, you have to go out there and do that thing. And if you haven't done it in five days and it involves hitting pitchers that are really trying to get you out, I think there is a huge differential. And I think that, the you know, while Spencer Strider feels that way, I think that the math behind it doesn't necessarily support that thesis 100. percent Yeah, and I think that's a great point. It's the math behind it that, like, we, we this is a game, right, Jake White Travis? This is a game that's all about numbers. Well, then the numbers don't seem to lie here. And I think too, this is maybe more so than say basketball, which basketball is still a rhythmic sport as well. But more than football, football it's about hey, whew, got a chance to you know kind of get a break from tough injuries, right? Yeah, right Basketball, right. it's a rhythm game, but typically around that second quarter, just because of the intensity and it's a team sport. I don't know. The rhythm kind of comes back for baseball. I think Grant, you might have a point there just in saying those two things can be both true at the same time in that that rhythm may not be gone for a pitcher, but maybe for a batter. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's what, that's the point I was going to make. It's a little easier to say for Spencer Strider as a pitcher. That rest is good for pitching, and that's your advantage yeah. is having yeah. that seed is to set up your pitching and to give them rest. Most hitters that you hear talk about this, they don't like the layout because it does mess up their timing. So the whole issue with the timing and the off days, it's more about hitting and them not being prepared going in, you know, after that big layoff. I mean, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts go one for 21 in their series with the Dodgers. I mean, there's, you know, there's going back to math, there's numbers you can look at here to support that it's not been good for offenses. I get the Astros are the one team that have figured it out, all props to them, but everybody else so far has not really been able to figure this out. And you talk about, you know, Grant said, they don't really think it's much of an advantage for these teams with the with the buy. You look at these wildcard teams, yes, you go into that wildcard series, you can have a couple of bad games and be bounced early, but you win that and you go into the next series, you're already in that postseason atmosphere. You're already up to facing that live pitch, and that's an advantage for those hitters coming into that series. Yeah, and I think that, you know, just kind of put a bow, add, add to what you guys were saying, I, I really feel like, like the baseball players are creatures of habit, right? I think that's safe to say. You're talking about yeah. 162 games. They're used to playing five games in four days, or or you know, playing going on a uh, going on the road for seven straight days and all of that stuff. It's just mm-hmm. these guys are so routine. And for you to to take a five-day break, I just think that that's not real baseball, you know, in my in my opinion, because it's just like when you're when you're sitting there, you know, being there playing games, going through the going through the season like you are. And then all of a sudden it just stops and you try to simulate that. It just, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not going to, it's not, it's not going to work out for you because at the end of the day, baseball is partly mental. I think that mental aspect of baseball is, is very, very key for those guys that have success. And when you talk about going from regular season mode to playoff mode, that's a big transition for you have to take five days off and try to figure out how to simulate that and get into that mode it's just it's just hard. It's just really yeah. hard. And I think that Snit tried to. He tried to get those guys in that into that situation versus last year. Um, he, he tried to make some some necessary moves, but it just didn't quite work out. And I think that you know Major League Baseball needs to take a look at it. And I think they will because the other numbers that don't lie in the numbers that speak are dollars. And when you look at the viewership that has progressively gone down, according to the research that I did, starting off with that wild card round, which probably took the, the biggest hit of 18%. And now we're just kind of looking to see um, from the divisional round, it, it took a hit as well, double digits, but now to kind of see where we are with the championship series, I suspect 
that if, because we're also talking about franchises who parted ways out of this postseason that are some of the most visible and some of the most lucrative franchises. And sometimes that makes more sense to major league baseball or to the deciding the, the, the people in charge, if you will, um, those owners and um, also the presidents of these respective leagues. Sometimes that makes the final decision for them, but going back to just the Braves, we're going to go deep and dive a little bit more into what this all means with the crew in just a minute. But first Jarvis is going to tell us about how we can take advantage FanDuel. Folks, let me tell you about FanDuel. It is the number one sports book in America. And also, it is October time, guys. Minus the Braves, you know, we talked about it. So I want to get into it. I want to get emotional and stuff like that. But so, yeah, I need you to make your postseason debut with FanDuel. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's all you have to do. Drop five bucks on that doggone bet, and you're going to get 200 in bonus bets. What are bonus bets, Jarvis? Bonus bets are things that you can use to bet on the over-unders, you know, uh, the plus and minus, all those things. You can bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs, who, who will win the game. All of that stuff is right there for you, right there on FanDuel. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. Yes, right now. Go over there right now. Finish. Fin- listen to the episode first. Do that first. But now, after you finish this episode, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets. That's guaranteed. All you got to do is drop five bucks. So what are you waiting on, folks? I'm telling you, this is a great deal that you need to take advantage of right now. So make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, guys, let's take a little bit more of a deep dive, particularly of what was going on, not so much on the field, but off the field, particularly in the dugout, because Brian Snicker, who it's almost like with him, he gets the highest of high praise and the lowest of low praise. And I know it probably seems like, okay, okay, well, that's what it is with every manager or every coach. But sometimes I just feel like Snit takes big, big L's, maybe even more so than he takes big W's when the Braves are doing well, right? I don't know if he gets as much credit as as he gets criticized. That said, part of the reason that some people, media and pundits alike, were saying that the Braves took an L in this series was because of decisions that Brian Sticker made. Everything from uh, the changing of the order for a game, uh, not taking Bryce Elder out at the proper time. Those are just two of kind of sort of the glaring examples that some give as to why it may have been Brian Snicker's coaching that may have cost the Braves this series. But when you look at that in LDS overall, do you feel like that's not, not just one guys, but is that even the t- one of the top three reasons that the Braves did not make it to the next round? Yeah, can Brian Snicker hit? Can, can he bat for these guys? I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what more you needed. You were expecting from Brian Snicker in this series. You want to chalk up the game three minutes management to him. Sure. And as me and Grant talked about, it may be the difference in losing 10 to two and five to two. He was dealt a bad hand in that game to begin with. So other people want to blame the game one lineup. I, I can't I can't get behind that narrative at all. And if you want to get frank with it, that decision's probably not coming from Brian Snicker to begin with. So I, I don't get the criticism for Snicker in this NLDS. I, I don't know what you would have wanted him to do differently. This lineup is not somebody is not a lineup you're really going to do a lot of mixing and matching with. It, bottom line, this offense just didn't show up, and there's nothing Snicker can do about that. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And the big thing I would say about that lineup was the Braves were looking at a, at a guy in which they weren't really having a lot of luck against, and Ranger Suarez, for whatever reason, in the postseason. And it played out that way again. But you tried to get Austin Riley more at bats. Well, if I'm doing, again, going through the math and looking at it, Austin Riley is about the only guy who hit in this series. So I don't mind him batting second against Ranger Suarez if that's what they needed to try out in game one. They still had Riley and Acuna up there with the bases loaded. Both of those guys struck out. That was one of the big missed opportunities in game one. And they had a couple of other chances with the right guys up there. And if you want to chalk that up to the layoff, that's fine. But as Jake just said, you know, this lineup had its opportunities and it did not hit. And at the end of the day, whether Bryce Elder comes out before he faces Bryce Harper or after he gives up that home run, I don't really think it makes a difference if Atlanta is only going to be able to score two runs because as we've all learned over the last couple of Octobers, and as the Diamondbacks are finding out firsthand right now, the yeah. Philadelphia Phillies can hit, they can score a bunch of runs. If you don't do that, you're not going to win a series against them. And that's just the simple truth of it all. Yeah. For me though, I mean, I'm not going to put this whole series on, on snicker, but I just think the thing that really stood out to me was Rob Thompson and how he managed his team and how he made certain moves and had the foresight to kind of remove Ranger Suarez from the game and, and, and put and go to that bullpen that he was able to lean on throughout this entire series. And, and for me, I really feel like Rob Thompson just outshined Brian Snicker. But like I said, I'm not saying that, you know, it was a, it's a matter of putting all of the blame on him. But I think that if Rob Thompson was making the necessary moves, having the foresight, to know, hey, I know my guys. I know how my guys are, are pitching. Bryce Elder, you know, hey, I don't need to let him go up against a guy like Bryce Harper in that particular moment. Yeah, if he can make that move, that's cool. He needs to make that move. But you know, like you said, if you like, like Jake said though, if he ends, if the game ends up in five to two versus ten to two, I just want to have that feeling that hey, I know that my manager is going to make the necessary moves that need to be made and have the foresight to, to see something coming down the road. And I, I, I think that's pretty fair, you know, And because Rob Thompson, he did it time and time again throughout this entire series. Yeah, Rob Thompson, though, I will say this, got to manage with the lead for the majority of this series, mm -hmm. and there's a big difference in that. Yep. And I do agree with you, and it, of course about game three, I mean, I don't. there's no moral victories in a loss in the postseason. They're all going to hurt to varying degrees. But, you know, again, if the, if the team's not going to score, that's going to be a big problem. But I would play the matchups. I would have gone to Brad Hand. I've second and third guessed a lot of different things that didn't work out. I've also called for changes that didn't go the way that I thought they would. I mean, it's a hard job. I will say that yeah, for a big league Absolutely. manager. But Rob Thompson, I mean, he honestly, you know, had a, things lined up exactly how he wanted it to. And like we talked about, didn't happen for Brian Snitker. What did happen for Rob Thompson? Yeah. His players came through, and that is how the game is won. And and, it's easy to imagine when you, when you guys are hitting bombs. Yeah. Like right. Were. <laughs> right. And it made me kind of think of two questions, though, and, and kind of want to dig into the minds of the experts. When you do have a situation like moving Austin Riley, like switching up that order for that first game and it doesn't work. I wonder to myself, like there are. I know sometimes for basketball, whenever there's a lineup change and you're coming off the bench and someone else is either benched or they don't get to suit up, the question, it kind of gets in their heads a little bit. So did this at all with some of those kind of moves that were made or like a Bryce Elder situation, at any, at any point did Snickers moves start to make the team feel a little bit unsure, like, hey, we have to start making all of these chess matches or um, go on the offensive because why are we doing this to the Phillies if we're for the Phillies and for the better team. I don't know. Did 
they made me. I, get what you're, I get what you're saying. And, and I would say for the lineup, it doesn't make as big a difference. And I would say on the Bryce Elder part of it, and Snit said it afterwards, he just had this feeling that it was one ground ball away from maybe getting out of that inning. And it didn't happen mm-hmm. that way. And he's trying to, I think, manage for the confidence of his player and for belief in that player. Now, is that something you can do over 162? Yes. Is it something you can afford to do in the postseason and get sentimental about it? Probably not. But I understand why he did it. But I would say, again, for the lineup, and Jake, I don't know if you feel any differently about this, the Braves had the had their best six hitters stacked one through six in that lineup. They were trying to get their best hitters up there. They just changed a couple of, of, of the order of those hitters. I don't really think it was that big of a deal. And unfortunately, it's the game after the layoff. So we might be getting back into a discussion we've already had. Yeah, I've, I've talked about it before. I don't think it was that big of a deal. And yeah. you go back and watch that game, the decision they made to to stack those righties to the top were because of all those lefties that the Phillies had, not just Ranger Suarez, yeah. but Alvarez, Soto, you know, Strom coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. And it set up Ozuna and Albies to get at bats late in the game against lefties. And you had an unfortunate line out by Ozuna that should have split a gap, but, you know, Trey Turner caught it. And then you had the double play ball yeah. off Albies' bat that was just a tremendous play in a big spot that would have scored at least one run. So, even the lineup construction, people want to complain about it. It was designed to do exactly what it did in that game, and it set up some righty hitters to get some good at-bats and clutch situations against lefty pitchers. Unfortunately, just some good plays by the Phillies, some bad luck for the Braves. Yeah, and then, too, I think when each one of them kind of goes back and says, hey, what could I have done differently or what could I have done better? And listen, this is not an indictment on Michael Harris II, very young, but he may look and say, hey, if I had to give some of those at-bats back, I would be more patient because there were opportunities there. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Everybody in this series, just about with the exception of maybe Austin Riley, has to sit down in the offseason and say, what did I do to contribute to my team? Not just parting ways in the post ways, the way that they did against who they did. So yeah, I think a lot of soul searching started immediately after that game and will continue in this offseason. And speaking of soul-searching, there may be some soul-searching Alex Anthopoulos has to do as well because he's got to decide what he wants to do with this 2024 roster to get them, A, back into the postseason and make sure that they can be even more powerful in contending for a World Series. But before we go to the seventh inning, Stretch Drafts is going to tell us a little bit about one of our favorite brands, which is Bird Dogs. Oh, You might be able to talk to him a little bit more about this with subtext. Folks, Jarvis Davis here for Bird Dogs. Birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. That is the website that you need to go to. Now I'm about to tell you why. Bird Dogs make you look good, folks. I'm telling you, they are big man approved. I wore the Bird Dogs for the first time out to practice one time. I was going to cover a Falcons practice. Oh my God. You're talking about so comfortable. So cool. I got so many compliments. Everybody was like, yeah, man, look at that big man with them bird dogs on. Yeah, how you do? I got bird dogs on. I rock them too. I'm telling you, they're so popular. You need to get them right now. How about that? Yeah, so finish listening to the episode first. I promise you. Don't do that. Don't do that now. Don't leave me. Bird dogs are the functional people for any occasion, whether you're going to go play golf, you're going on a date, you're going to an evening night out, you're going to the pool, you're going to work out and lounge. Charles, how can I go to the pool? They got the little wicker slight situation that's form-fitting. They got your little thighs out and all that stuff. I'm telling you, man, you need to go to birddogs.com slash MLB right now. They're not like khaki shorts either. Like, you know how they're all crusty and rusty and all that stuff. Yeah, how can khakis be rusty? Yeah, go put on those khakis and you'll find out exactly what I'm talking about. But now, the smart people, oh, I need you to go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And that's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Enter the code locked on MLB 
and you're going to get a free water bottle at checkout. I'm telling you guys, this is the absolutely most amazing product that you can actually get with. You don't want to take these bad boys off. I promise you. All right, guys, it's the thing that we did not want to do this soon, but here we are. And that is looking ahead to the 2024 offseason for Alex Anthopoulos. And Grant, I am going to tell you, I, I couldn't catch you yesterday, but I was like, they stole my thunder. Because, of course, you were on at my other job uh, with the morning shift that they were asking you to do a little bit of rapid fire. And I was like, it's my question for my guy on today. So I'm going to go back to it. But I want Jake okay. and Jarvis to chime in as well. And this is going to be a yes or no. But if you want to give a little bit of a rationale for why, then let's talk about it. So first, I want to talk about the roster that is in place and then want to circle back to hear from you guys on where you think Alex Anthopoulos might go to make additions. That said, let's go for the obvious. Marcelo Zinegrant stays, goes, why? Stays, no reason to change that portion of the lineup. It worked out just fine. Hopefully he can do it again next year. Jarvis? I, th I think... Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you I think Marcelo Zuni is the guy that you that you continue to roll with because, like you said, you got so much value for him in his contract this year. So yeah, I I, I don't see any real issue with him sticking around. Jay, yeah, I think you got to stay. It's the last year of the deal, and certainly you know we wouldn't trade one of the guys who was one of the best hitters, and you know from April on last year. All right, Jake, back to you. Looking at, and I know this was really disappointing for everybody as well, because it makes you feel like, gosh, what could have been if Charlie Morton would have been available? That said, does Charlie Morton come back to this roster next year? I think it's up to Charlie more than it's up to the Braves. Um, I so but if, I think if it's up to the Braves, I, I think I still bring him back. I mean, you need okay. some depth in that rotation. So I think if it's up to the Braves, I, I would bring him back. What about you, J.D.? Oh, for me, I, regardless of whether they bring him back, I have to say with a caveat, if he if he want if he wants to come back, yes, bring him back. But I think is that comes with a caveat. I think that they need to go out and get a frontline starter, you know, regardless of whether he comes back or not. Because what can't happen is you depending on a, a guy who's forty years old. Granted, he's had an excellent career. He, they they got more than their money's worth in twenty twenty one in that on that World Series run. But I think now you have to get somebody that you know. For a fact that has a history of being healthy once postseason time comes. Grant, does Uncle Charlie come back next year on this roster? If he's willing to pitch, the Braves are going to bring him back. They still need to get another starting pitcher beyond that to keep this as a rapid fire as I can. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, next up, I'm going to ask you guys for the surprise. Wow, didn't think they would let that guy go. All right, Jarvis, who's the surprise on this roster where Alex Anthopoulos and company say, hey, thank you for your service? I probably think it's, it's Eddie Rosario. I think I'll, I'll go with Eddie Rosario because I think that when you look at what he's been able to do and not do, and then the whole platoon situation, I think they want to get like more of a permanent guy who you can just plug in the, the lineup each and every day. So yeah, I would say Eddie Rosario. Jake? I wanted to say Eddie Rosario too, but maybe to give you a surprise one, I, I don't think they'll do this, but maybe Michael Soroka. I mean, it's a guy they're paying, you know, three, four million. If they don't think he's going to be healthy enough, it could be the last year he's arbitration eligible either. And I think that may be one they have to make a tough decision on. How about you, Grant? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Rosario is the obvious choice, but they've also got some difficult decisions to think about guys they could bring back that are free agents in the bullpen, Pierce Johnson and Joe Jimenez. I'm looking at those yeah. two guys. Yeah. I'd love to have either or both of those back, but it just may not happen. Yeah, and I would say Eddie Rosario was probably my first. But to your point, Jake, I have Michael Soroka as a question, but I'm glad you 
brought up the terms that you did because that was my one question. I wasn't sure, admittedly, kind of where they were in their ability or flexibility to be able to say, hey, thank you for your service, but we're going to move on. That said, now going back to something that Jarvis was kind of tiptoeing in the last three segments, and I'm like, hold up, we got to, you know, we're going to look ahead. Now it's time to look ahead. So Alex Anthopoulos, yes, has some tough decisions to make in this offseason, not just for who he'll retain, but potentially who he'll bring on. So if you're Alex Anthopoulos, Jarvis, where do you start that process of seeking out uh, additions to this roster? I will start right there in the farm system with Von Grissom uh, because he had an amazing year uh, in a triple A this year. And I, I think that, you know, he put up some nice numbers with his bat. And I think you need to figure out what you're going to do with him because I, 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 I really believe we don't see a, uh, any sighting anytime soon as far as being on that infield. But, hey, maybe you can play out in the left field. Maybe that's something you work towards in this offseason. So I feel like uh, you need to start with Von Grissom and kind of go from there. So you keep him, not necessarily like use him for trade bait? I don't know. I'm always thinking about the value like part of it. Like, I don't, a lot. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, but, but, you know, like, what are you going to get in return? That's, yeah. that would be my first what question. What would you have to package yeah, yeah, with him yeah. to get it? Is it worth it? Yeah. Gotcha. How about you, Grant? Where do you think that Alex Anthopoulos will start the process in the yeah, offseason? The interesting thing about Alex is that he doesn't necessarily go down a list of when I get A, then I'll go to B and C and yeah. so forth. He might be down here on letter E, F, G, somewhere in there and say, okay, well, this will plug this need. This will solve yeah. this problem. This will give us depth here. And he'll start making those kind of moves. But we saw, I think, back in, what, 2018 offseason going into 2019, Brian McCann and Josh Donaldson, boom, boom, and heading into 2021 when they signed Charlie Morton fairly quickly. I mean, it could happen that fast. They could make a trade. Mm -hmm. And I think that Von Grissom would bring back some value. And he's not log jammed on every other infield the way he is in Atlanta. So that'll be interesting to watch what they decide to do with him. I remain kind of unconvinced that he's the kind of power that you would have on a corner outfield spot. Just if you look around the league and what is you know normally expected out of left field, what the Braves got out of left field this past year between Pilar and Rosario was 30 homers. Is Vaughn Grissom a 30-homer hitter? Do you need another 30-homer hitter if you've got enough in the other spots that you can do different things? I mean, there are a lot right. of questions, and there's a yeah. whole slew of people in that front office that are going to try to figure that out. Indeed. How about you, Jake? Yeah, I mean, you look at the position players for the Braves, where are you really going to make a move outside of left field? And Alex, you know, he's already said RC is the guy at shortstop. That'd be maybe the only other position. So, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, again, as Grant said, Alex Adobas doesn't have a list. Nobody was expecting them to get another catcher last offseason. Yep. He went out and got Sean Murphy. So he's going to look to make upgrades wherever he can. Yep. But I think starting pitching, well, I don't think starting pitching was why the Braves lost in the postseason outside of game three. It, it did its job. But when you're looking towards the future, again, regardless of what happens with Charlie Morton, he's likely only back for at most one more year. Max Freed could be a free, free agent after 2024. What does the future of this rotation look like beyond Spencer Strider? right now. I know you got some young guys coming up that maybe uh, you're looking towards for the future, but, and we haven't seen Anthopolis go out in free agency and really sign a starting pitcher to a long-term deal. But I think that's something you may want to start trying to address this off season, looking at the future of this rotation. Yeah. And I think too, you guys make a great point. One more thing. I know we got a wrap, but just maybe this on a rapid fire as well. Do you guys see in your crystal ball that Alex Anthopoulos, and I know it might be dictated by the market, but might he go the Alex Anthopoulos that makes that surprising move like a Sean Murphy or even a Matt Olson in the off season? Or do you think he's going to kind of make some moves in the beginning, but kind of look at where they are closer to the trade deadline like he did back when he went for Jock Peterson. And we know how that looked. How are you guys kind of, again, just a crystal ball, 
we never know because the market might dictate. Yeah, as I said on 92.9 The Game this week, a World Series contender cannot go into the, the into the spring training session and, and not have some clarity in the starting rotation. So I'm with Jake. You got to address that. You just have to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, w- I'm with that too. Like that starting rotation has to be, regardless of uh, the, the the decisions you have to make, you know that you have to get some frontline starting pitching here. And the bullpen too, you're losing a lot of guys out of this bullpen as well, some high leverage guys. So that's something that has to be addressed. And kind of to your question, the way Alex and Dobbs has kind of worked in the past, it's he'll come out aggressive sometimes early in spring training and then, or in the off season. And then he may wait a while and see what kind of falls into his lap late. So that's typically kind of the way that he's worked since taking over at GM and the Braves. Yeah. And I would say in agreement with you guys that it may be aggressive on the front end, whether it's the starting rotation, the bullpen or both, but also it may be dictated by the fact that at this trade deadline, there really wasn't anybody to go to because every, you know, so many people are like, it was the pitching. It was the pitching. Well, who was he supposed to get at the trade deadline? Maybe there will be someone there in the off season to get, and maybe that was, that may dictate why he's aggressive in the beginning versus in the end. Thank you guys so much. This was of course not easy because this is not the Atlanta sports baseball party we wanted to have, but it's the Braves, it's Alex Anthopoulos, it's Brian Snicker. We know that they're going to be back next year with all guns blazing, looking to chase a World Series. So we appreciate you guys for stopping by. Don't forget to check out our Locked On Sports Atlanta channel on YouTube. And don't forget also to stop by the Atlanta Sports Party on Friday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 